I'm Dan. And I'm Alex. And welcome back to On Air, everybody. It's been another week already. It's a new week. That came around really quickly, don't you think? I was thinking yesterday, hmm, should Alex and I start coordinating recording soon? And then I was like, oh my god, we should be recording today or tomorrow. So yeah, yeah it comes around quick sometimes. Sometimes it takes a long time. Yeah, we like to record as close to when we post as possible, don't we? So that it's, yeah. okay, we're recording Tuesday kind of early evening to make sure that this is in your feed from Wednesday available, of course, wherever you get your podcast, but you know that already because you're listening to us. So let's kick things off in today's episode. I want to do, I know I like it when you're unprepared. Okay, I want to just spring this on you. I, I want to play a really quick game, which will link to what I think you might be doing tomorrow. But I don't know because you haven't told me anything because you don't tell me anything. So let's just let's go. Okay, ready? Taipei or Hong Kong? Uh, Hong Kong, but I love both. Hong Kong or Guangzhou? Hong Kong, 100%. Hong Kong or Sydney? Sydney. Sydney or Melbourne? Sydney. Controversial. <laughs> Very. Sydney or Brisbane? Never been to Brisbane, so Sydney. <laughs> Sydney or Auckland? Sydney. <laughs> Sydney or Dubai? Sydney. Out of ideas now, are Sydney. <laughs> See, I'm trying to think of what will LA? make you shift. Okay. okay, Sydney or Nairobi? Are you kidding? The city oh, I was detained Flashbacks. In. Yes, or the, city you the were wonderful detained city of Sydney. Yes, still Sydney. Sydney or Mombasa? <laughs> okay, now you're just messing around. Sydney or Zanzibar? Sydney. Sydney or Muscat? Sydney. Okay, we need to get. Wow, you like Sydney a lot. Who I did, likes, this is this is. Tell me one person who likes Muscat more than Sydney. Muscat is cool. I I found Sydney I found awesome. Sydney. I, I think Sydney's great, right? But I also think Melbourne is a hundred times better. Mm. And I think Sydney's so small as well. Yeah, I and, like and that. And has that vibe of like. At 5 p.m., like, everyone go okay. home, close up, like in a French village. <laughs> That's kind of true. But if you had said Sydney and compared it to an actual big other city besides Melbourne, like, let's say, New York or L.A. or something okay, else. Okay, okay, I'm, not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay, Sydney or Miami? Sydney, Miami is trash. Wow. Okay, <laughs> Sydney or San Diego? Ooh... I have so much family in San Diego, so I'm going to go over to see San Diego because of that. Oh, hey, finally, we left <laughs> Australia. Okay. San Diego or Los Angeles? San Diego. San Diego or Bali? San Diego, because I've had food poisoning both times I've been in Bali. Jakarta or... (laughs) 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 Why are you laughing so much? (laughs) San Diego or Singapore? Think of the food. Singapore in that case, if we're thinking of food. I don't know. They're both great. Singapore, yeah? That's your answer. Singapore or Jakarta? Singapore. Singapore or Beijing? Singapore. Singapore or Phnom Penh? Singapore still. Where are you flying to tomorrow morning? Singapore. Hey, I okay. knew it. <laughs> I, I a, knew it. I love how we spent five minutes trying to get to where I'm going tomorrow. Yes, I'm going to I Singapore tomorrow via Saudi Arabia. So when this episode goes live, I will be in Jeddah probably posting this. So yeah, send me well wishes. So you're flying Riyadh Air, I assume. <laughs> Maybe I would if they actually existed, but for now, they're not an option. So, no. So, who are you flying and why are you going via Saudi Arabia? I'm flying Saudi And the reason is, there's a few reasons. First of all, I found a very, very good fare. I thought it would be an interesting flight because last time I flew Saudi the one other time I had food poisoning. So, I basically couldn't eat and it was on one of their worst planes. Then... The return flight, which I'm going to save for next week because I don't want to talk about it before it's happened. I don't like jinxing things, but you will gasp when I tell you about the return flight. So can't wait for next Wednesday. (laughs) You mean the flight that you've booked to journey back? Singapore is also on Saudi. I booked a round trip. Right. 
But the return Why flight is quite interesting. Okay. As in route or as in product? You'll or, see. Stay tuned. Wait and see. Okay. <laughs> I don't mind. I can be patient. I can be patient. Does it ever cross your mind about the risk of food contamination? I mean, you just mentioned there that you you had food poisoning on Saudi or that at least you trace back to being from that flight. No, it is wasn't, it something that it wasn't from the flight. It was I got the food poisoning the day before, but the symptoms uh, appeared when I woke up that morning in Jeddah and I was about to hop oh. on a 10 hour flight. So you can imagine oh nightmare day. But luckily, I mean, in those situations, I just have to be grateful for the positives like being in business class and not stuck in a middle seat when <laughs> when you're feeling so bad in, in economy. It's funny because I just watched one of your Actually, we all sat down and watched it. And I messaged you when we were watching it. I watched your YouTube video with Oscar on the Oscar and Dan channel about the Maldives trip that you had to the local (laughs) island rather than the amazing plush five star resorts. You did something more low key. Yeah. And it it was firstly, it was a fantastic watch. Okay, I'll be honest, because when I saw that the video was 26 minutes, I was like, excuse me, this is longer (laughs) than an episode of Modern Family. Who does he think he is? Right? (laughs) Okay, like as if this is a streaming thing (laughs) where I'm sitting down and watching a show in a season. But that 26 minutes was I mean, it went by very quickly because it was you love, really, really interesting. And you love seeing me Go suffer. On. So I'm not surprised you enjoyed it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because it was very watchable in that you were highlighting a whole different side to the Maldives that we don't see that, you know, you think of, I mean, you really highlighted well about how kind of expectation versus reality and how it's not all beautiful, Instagrammable, you know, perfection that that's what struck me number one number two i thought it was very brave that you went to a a local island that you knew very little about that from the get-go had you had run it past for example someone like me i would have <laughs> yeah. said, well don't be expecting some kind of beautiful holiday from that because it looks like a working village and also but there was just so many things that blew my mind but the overarching theme here that i'm trying to get to is how reliant the whole trip was on on weather and, yeah. and how that just dictated and determined everything you did. Yeah, it was it was really eye-opening to think we went to this island and we didn't think, what if the weather is bad the whole time? Because then there is literally nothing to do. You're stuck in your tiny hotel room with barely working Wi-Fi in humid conditions. I don't really recommend i mean of course based on my experience i can't recommend it but the resorts at least there's stuff to do the villas are usually big it's it's different to be at a resort in bad weather than on a tiny piece of sand in the middle of a massive ocean and you were you were literally on one of the islands that is more akin to a raised sandbank right in the middle of the indian ocean with nothing and you could walk from from one side of the island to the other in what minutes like like it took an hour to walk the whole length because it's a very long island but to walk across it i think takes three four minutes so yeah (laughs) wow (laughs) Um, that's funny isn't it because that's i always think that what i never quite understand people that choose to go to the maldives or mauritius or the Caribbean, I nearly said like an American, well, and that's why I just, that just came out wrong. So I <laughs> I say Caribbean, but then my head, I was like, say Caribbean, <laughs> because, <laughs> I know, because I, I'm hearing your voice as well. So, okay, so the Maldives, Mauritius, or the Caribbean, aka the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. Um, I never <laughs> understand great. the people it's that go. Place. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, did you hear that? He's talking about the Caribbean. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, I never understand, to finish the sentence, the people that go to those places in summer, in European summer, yes. I mean, in Northern Hemisphere summer, because I just think, why would you fly so far for a beautiful beach with nothing else? Because that's all that you're there for. That's all that that can provide you and offer you. When in the Northern Hemisphere summer, you can have exquisite beach 
options available to you on deserted paradise islands in the Greek islands, for example, or, you know, just there's so many yeah. places in the Mediterranean. I don't 100%. understand the thing about going in summer. It doesn't make sense to me either. I, I mean, it's the same with people who go to like, the Middle East or Southeast Asia in the summer when it's rainy season in much of Southeast Asia, the Middle East is unbearable. It's yeah, just just go nearby. It's more sustainable, probably cheaper. But I guess people think, all right, this is my the one time of the year where the whole family has time off. So let's go on that bucket list trip. I will say I know a lot of people are like, why do you even need to go to a place like the Maldives? And you kind of compare it to the Caribbean or Mauritius, but I will say that I think the Maldives and Bora Bora are two places that are really unlike anywhere else, including the Seychelles, including Mauritius, because there there's nowhere where you can just be on a tiny piece of sand in the middle of the ocean and feel that level of remoteness. It's like castaway, but uber luxurious, which is what makes yeah. it such a perfect beach vacation to me when the weather is good, because there's nothing to do but relax. And that's what what I love because it's not like, oh, should we go into a local village and explore? Should we do this or that? No, you just stay there, which which is why, you know, previously and after this trip, I love going there occasionally. But it is good to be aware that the weather, especially during European summer, is not guaranteed. Although I feel like weather during European summer in Europe is also not guaranteed nowadays. <laughs> And this year is an El Nino year, isn't it? Which basically means that the weather is, I mean, we can't really trust any of the forecasts or you can't say, oh, it's typically like this in December there because El Nino is just making sure that it's nothing of the sort. Exactly. The one thing I will say is that I feel this time of year, the best place you can go in the world if you want guaranteed sunshine is genuinely the Gulf, like Qatar, UAE, Oman, these are places where your odds of getting rain or clouds are so small and the odds of sunny weather, beautiful beaches are very high. But if there's any time of year to go to the Middle East, it's definitely right now. And for guaranteed good weather, now's the time. It's funny because so I'm, as you know, I'm now back in the Middle East and the the talk here is that because I've been out for now four or five weeks is that uh, winter hasn't started here yet. I mean, I, I knew that. I noticed that as soon as I landed. But winter in terms of it feeling it should be colder than it is. And it's it's still not. I mean, it's still very mm. warm in the day, not just warm, but very warm in the day. And in the evening, it's not even cool. It's just OK. Room temperature, if you like. <laughs> that's that's not how it should be. It should be cooler does that mean the winter is going to arrive later if that's the case then that is consistent with the fact that at least in this region winter has shifted later a little bit later every single year luckily it does mean it lasts a bit later as well but it is it is funny or is this just exactly what is happening in the Maldives exactly what's happening everywhere is this because it's an El Nino year and so the weather patterns are just all over the place I mean who yeah who knows but uh, it's funny (laughs) that you said that feeling about you know to feel as remote I felt remote enough, for example, in the Azores, mm-hmm. the Azores, the, the nine islands that yeah. are Portuguese territory located in the middle of the Atlantic. I just found it so funny. I remember being there and opening up the Zara application to see where was the nearest Zara. <laughs> and it was like it was 500 meters away because there is a Zara there. Oh. But I was thinking how funny that it's, show, it's showing me on the map and it, all I see is this massive Atlantic Ocean with a pin <laughs> yeah. on a Zara in the middle of it. Um, it was just that, that blows my mind. But the Azores are great as well. Have you been? No, I haven't been. I'm surprised because I feel like that would be, I feel like you would really, really like it, especially that you don't have to stay like the, the island hopping on their, their little regional airline, SATA, Azores Airlines, yeah. is so easy, like it's super cheap and you fly in the morning from one, one island to the other and each flight is about, you know, 15 minutes. But there is, there is one island when I was island hopping there with the Airbus team, there's one island that we were supposed to go to and every Every single time we could not go because aircraft could not land there because of the winds. And that's that. It's quite a famous airport, Lages Field. It's mm. often used as a diver airport for for 
passenger planes that are going above the Atlantic. So the uh, the the people of the Azores are quite used to the fact that they do live in an extreme part of the world, you know, in quotes, in that some aircraft even struggle to land there in the first place, a bit like yeah. Madeira, because of the crosswinds, because you're talking about a landmass in the middle of the Atlantic. Mm. Yeah, it's such a, I would love to go. It's such, such a cool place. Have you been to Madeira? No, I haven't been to any, I haven't been to the Canary Islands either. No. Okay. okay. I, well, Iceland is the only island in the Atlantic, if you don't count Ireland and the UK <laughs> that I've been in. And I, Iceland is uh, making headlines, trying to spew up what could be another ash cloud. So we're keeping our eye yeah. on that because there's a, a lot of volcanic activity up there. But look, Dan, it was another week where Boeing was just not out of the news. And the latest few updates since we last spoke is that they have found loose bolts at a bunch of different airlines. After airlines were starting to inspect, they were looking for loose bolts. Uh, they were finding, sorry, loose bolts uh, where those plug exit doors were. Of course, that's the, the part that blew out on an Alaska 737 MAX 9 a couple of weeks ago. We did the emergency pod about it. If you haven't listened to it, you can go back in your feed and click it. But also they found loose parts in other areas of the aircraft. And crucially, I think the most significant development since we last spoke is that the FAA, the US aviation regulator, is not simply investigating what happened, but it has now formally placed Boeing under yet another investigation. Yep, not good news for Boeing, but I think it's good news for passengers. We want to feel safe flying Boeing. And they made a statement, not sure if it was yesterday, or I, I read a statement from them today, basically saying that they are going to double down on quality assurance. Every part of the assembly line is going to be inspected. They're going to have more inspectors looking at different components but the the press release or whatever it was was just talking about the 737 and i was thinking what about the 787 which well thankfully has not had any big incidents but still has had you know a history of problems and the 777x i think we're all curious if god forbid it's another 737 max in terms of should never have been made but we're all curious to see how the quality of those turn out to be once airlines start receiving them, hopefully next year. Yeah, it's, I mean, the 777X is this kind of quiet in the background. Nobody wants to poke the bear because it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It's the fact that it's such a delayed aircraft. It's so behind schedule, but airlines are seemingly being kept happy and satisfied by the fact that Boeing are compensating in various different ways in order to make up for the fact that these aircraft are late. But to go back to what you were saying about Boeing insisting that they are going to be looking at the way that they manufacture and their processes in production and so on and so on. The CEO of Boeing, Dave Calhoun, did an, an interview with CNBC, which was, I mean, there was a part of it that was just a bit bizarre. And I just want to go back to what Dave Calhoun, the CEO of Boeing, said in one of the only interviews he did, which was with CNBC. He described the incident that happened where the door plug, that whole panel had blown out of the aircraft. He said it's a mistake. It, quote, can never happen again. And he, he described it as a horrible escape of quality, a quality escape of its manufacturing and quality control processes. Now, a, a lot of media were messaging me. I had messages from journalists and producers saying, what is that? What is a quality escape? And there's a headline here from the independent newspaper. It says Boeing CEO bizarrely calls Alaska Airlines plane door blowout as a quality escape. N most people not understanding what what that actually means. I mean, by quality escape, he was basically referring to anything that can contribute to an accident, a an error that whereby the quality that they hope to maintain was not fulfilled, neither satisfied, and therefore is an escape of that quality that then later contributed to an incident. Bizarre. I don't know where they where they find this kind of language or or where they who, who do they have around them telling them, oh yeah, that will reassure. You know, that that's the message. It feels like again, I mentioned Veep. I know you haven't watched it, but it, it's just you get such an insight into how like things like this or politics work where someone yeah someone ran thought of this phrase 
and then it reaches the public and we're just like huh like just state the obvious we don't need all these phrases to these calm us down yeah, just, aren't they? Yeah. we know that the quality of what they're making is not up to par the yeah. amount of comments i get these like in the past week about people saying oh i'll never fly a boeing plane again all that stuff that's what people are thinking so just directly address those concerns be honest and open because we know that there are issues in production yeah and it's funny because if you go onto any airline's twitter feed on x that has uh, if these airlines have 737 max aircraft so for example i was doing this a few days ago and i was looking at tui the uk leisure carrier i was looking at icelandair i was looking at all these different carriers there are loads of tweets daily where they're having to respond to passengers who are saying, hold on, my booking says 737 MAX. Why are you flying this aircraft that's made headline news again? I don't want to fly or what are my rights or can I change and so on and so on. And TUI had replied to one passenger saying, no, 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 no. We do not fly the Dash 9, the 737 MAX Dash 9, which is the one that suffered the blowout in the US. We fly the 737 MAX Dash 8. So rest assured, the tweet said, <laughs> we only fly the 737 MAX Dash 8. And the person replied, oh, great. So thank you. I feel so much better knowing it's the one that was grounded for almost two years <laughs> yeah. following two following two fatal crashes that, that, that triggered the largest crisis in aviation, lost almost 400 lives and was down to a software fault. It's that one. Thank you. I feel much better is what, is what oh the person replied. Now, of course, you know, it's absolutely right. I mean, both the airline were factually correct in stating they don't operate the Dash 9, but to then come back and, uh, in a reassuring <laughs> tone and say, we fly the Dash 8, you know, <laughs> is, is not the statement they think they're making in yeah. these times where people are not interested in variants. I mean, I, I feel I've been, I've been uh, explaining the difference between variants on my radio broadcasts over the last week on LBC, day in, day out that, I, that I've been on and saying, well, that's actually due to the Dash 9, that's the Dash 8. And, and I know that, that that piece of info, that clarification that I'm making is going in in one ear of the listener and straight out of the other, and I don't blame them because they they don't they don't they don't give a shit. Okay, all, yeah. all they can hear in that part is Boeing have yet another issue on a seven three seven Max, and therefore, if that is something that concerns that individual, they want to know how they can take action to ensure that they are not faced in a reality where they have to fly a plane that they might not want to fly. And yeah. it's as simple as that. Rightfully so. La even this week, or yeah, last week, I guess. I had a girl who I went to high school with, who I haven't spoken to for years, text me on Facebook Messenger saying, Dan, I'm moving to Korea next week and my flight is being operated by a Boeing. Is it safe to fly Boeing planes? Oh, this girl God. who has nothing to do with aviation, I was like, okay, wow. So I obviously calmed her down. I said, don't don't worry about this. But yeah. that's that just shows the reach of this and the implications for all Boeing aircraft types, not even just the 737 MAX. And of course, we know that Boeing as a company on, on the whole, for the overwhelming majority of its fleet that it has flying operationally and glo globally everywhere, is has a stellar safety record, just like Airbus. And so, yeah. you know, passengers shouldn't have a concern. But you're right. The reach of the of all this negative press, and it's not the it's not the press's fault. It's not media. These are not simply negative headlines. These are documenting real world terrible incidents. The reach of those incidents has been immense. You're right. And in media, it's known as cut through. And I always know when something has cut through. When just like you said, when someone that is totally out of our world of aviation and politics and so on. When, when they know. And I had the, almost the exact same thing. I had a builder. He's not even a builder, bless <laughs> him. He's a handyman. And he came in Spain and I opened the door and I'm making small talk with him. And in the first minute, he said to me, oh, another Max issue, huh? Mm. Oh, Boeing, I've got... And I was thinking, you know, if he knows and she knows and they know and that, you know, and, and as a whole, I just think the reputation damage that Boeing continues to suffer is huge. And having the CEO appear on CNBC and say, oh, well, we suffered a quality escape is not the crisis comms that no. should be put out there to the world to reassure. Qu quality escape is not a thing. 
No. And how many quality escapes are acceptable? It makes it sound like it's a smaller deal than it is. That's what's kind of concerning. Another story I really wanted to talk about was, we don't have to discuss it for a long time, but it was going quite viral, especially in India or or South Asia, because uh, I think it was yesterday, a man on an Indigo flight punched his pilot. Why? Drum roll. Because there was a delay due to fog in Delhi literally completely out of the cruise control. But this guy got so upset, he punched the pilot in the face. I saw this video and I just thought it was completely messed up. I mean, the they the crew seemed to have gone out of hours, which is, you know, common practice in aviation. There are legal hour work requirements. And they had gone out of hours, so they had swapped with a new flight crew. And then somebody's videoing and this passenger just runs to the front of the cabin. The crew go to block him with a cart so obviously something had happened just before, which is why the cart was out in the first place, just in case something was going to happen. And he just leans forward and whacks, punches one of the flight crew, the pilots. I mean, why do why are we in a world where the society norms supposedly no longer apply on an aircraft? Yeah, it's so sad to think what happened to civility. And anyone who is on a flight should be smart enough to figure out what is right and what's wrong to do. And that is, in yeah. any instance, it's so wrong to punch someone. But literally, they had nothing to do with the delay. This is completely unrelated to the crew. Doing something like that is is unacceptable. And then the interesting thing was also the follow-up from Indigo saying that we're discussing and... Uh, trying to decide what to do with this passenger. I assume that's normal procedure for Indigo in the event that something happens like this. They're the biggest airline in India, one of the biggest in the world, huge low-cost airline. But obviously, this guy should be added to at least Indigo's no-fly list. There's no question about that. And I think that will happen. I also saw in the statement they said that the police were dealing with it. So it wasn't just the airline having to handle this situation. It, it had become a a criminal matter, a criminal case, and uh, and the police are involved. But yeah, it's just, I hate this, this. I don't know, sometimes you have to try and work out, don't you? Are we seeing more of this because of Generation TikTok and we see everything that happens everywhere? Yeah. And we just, we, we I don't know if you know, do you ever look at the, um, watch or listen to the Jay Shetty podcasts where he sits and interviews? Actually, I just did this morning, literally this morning. Was it the one with Michelle Obama? Uh, no, but I have seen shorts from that one. Okay, so he, I think that's still his most recent one with, with Michelle Obama. And she was saying to him, she really thinks, basically, we consume too much. She was saying, we are not, as human beings, supposed to be consuming as much as we are consuming. And she was saying, it's because we just see and get fed everything and somehow she was saying this has been branded that this is a good thing this is cool this is the modern world but she's like but it's too much there is too much that we now on one side it's like okay is knowing too much ever a real thing on on the other hand is it isn't it the case of that that these apps social media everything the digital age is filling our head with so much pointless things that now we see everything and there's like a head full of our heads are full of clutter and, and so sometimes, to go back to the, what we're talking about with the Indigo case, I don't know if we're just seeing more of things that used to happen anyway, or if society has just got worse yeah, globally. You could be right. And I, I think on the positive side, trying to find something positive, comparing aviation to 20 years ago, for example, nowadays, we don't really have to worry about hijackings, for example, which were a huge concern, especially on transatlantic flights. 20 years back of course it's still a concern but i feel like things there's always something to be worried about something that's different and who knows we might have seen a lot more incidents or safety concerns with people that didn't quite reach a global audience if social media had existed 10 20 years ago well it did exist 10 years ago 20 30 years ago um, so I think you're right. There are a couple of other things that were in, in the news this week. This is something that caught my eye because this is now the second time it, it had happened, which is that a British Airways pilot was kidnapped, brutally assaulted and robbed in what was another terrifying ordeal that happened during a layover 
in Johannesburg in South Africa, which of course Joburg is arguably the one of the crime capitals of the world. But this is the second time in just seven months that this has happened to be a crew during that Johannesburg layover. So I can't imagine how the crew must be feeling if they, uh, you know, are not wanting to to see Johannesburg on their roster, knowing what is happening to their colleagues, because this is now twice. So in this scenario, it was a five-hour ordeal that only ended when all of the guys, the, the pilots' bank accounts was totally emptied. And Oof. so... Took for context, the first officer, he was spending two days in Johannesburg along with the rest of the crew. Okay, so British Airways operate to Joburg and they have a layover. And for for procedure for most airlines operating to Johannesburg and potentially some of this applies to Cape Town, but I think predominantly Johannesburg in terms of these policies, the crew typically are escorted and assisted from the airport in their crew bus to the hotel where they are told not to leave the site of the hotel, what they call a compound, and then they don't leave. And then after a day and a half or so, they get back onto that crew bus and they operate a flight back after being escorted to the airport. So they're not really allowed to mix with the outside world. And I've spoken, for example, one of my closest friends who you met, Wahab, the table tennis player, he was on a really big tournament competition in South Africa. And even when he tried to leave, he was in Durban, and even when he tried to leave the hotel just to see in a, in a certain scenario, oh, it was at night and they were going to go out, the security was stopping them saying, no, 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 you are, you guys are not leaving. You know, it's just, it's not a thing. It's nighttime. You're not leaving the hotel area. So it doesn't just affect passengers and those that are operating, but also, you know, guests can be caught up in this. Anyway, so on this scenario, the first officer leaves and he leaves what is a heavily guarded gated area of the hotel and he walked to a supermarket that was just a few minutes away and he got what he got and when he was returning from the supermarket back to the hotel a woman asked him to help if he can uh, help her load her shopping into her car so you know BA pilots have also got a great reputation for being super friendly, very informative in their PAs, very used to service. These are all service-driven people because most most BA pilots have been there for a long time as well. And I can imagine that it's almost an easier target in terms of someone that's going to be willing to help you than a regular person because the crew, by, by nature, right, are just so used to requests from the public. So he agrees, obviously, and he says he's going to help this woman load her shopping into her car. As he reaches into the car, masked men bundle the pilot into the back of the vehicle, take him to a house and hold him there as a hostage for hours while the kidnappers all try to access his bank accounts. And whatever happened in this five-hour ordeal of him being assaulted and hurt, his accounts were successfully emptied digitally, so his online banking accounts, And then they called his wife and threatened to hurt her husband, the pilot who's being held hostage there, unless she handed over further bank account details. And before they released him, the gang threatened that they were going to publish all sorts of compromising photos that they had forced him to take if they were going to be in a scenario where he was going to report them to the police. I mean, it just sounds horrific. And, And BA said that while... They would not go into the specifics of it, that they were supporting a colleague and the local authorities with an investigation at this time. Horrible. Horrible. So here's a question. If you were invited to an event or something in South Africa, I have been and I loved South Africa. Cape Town is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Would you, let's say you had to go to Johannesburg, would you leave the hotel unaccompanied? No. That's sad. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah, sad that I know, it has but to I would, be like that. Yeah, because it's it's too it's too well documented as to what. And I think if I'm in a position where I can exercise that choice, then no, I wouldn't. Not yeah. not at Johannesburg. <laughs> I mean, this 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 follows last July when a BA captain went for a jog, and in the same gated community, the security said to him, "Don't go outside to jog. Jog within this community, this hotel community." He didn't. He went outside to jog. He was held at gunpoint robbed 
and then stabbed in the leg. He went for a jog. It's so insane. We had so many South Africans at our university. And the different thing about South, South Africa is that you don't just get robbed. You get robbed and stabbed or killed. Like one of them, their best friend's dad had been stabbed to death just so someone could steal his wedding ring. Just hold him at gunpoint, take the ring. That's bad enough. But why do you have to literally stab someone and to death? It's horrendous, horrific. Horrendous. Did I tell the story of... Air, uh, of Alaska Airlines and Mexico. I can't remember if I told it on the podcast. No. <laughs> so the first time Oscar and I were going to Mexico in January 2018, so we were 20, we flew Alaska Airlines nonstop from San Francisco where we were living at the time. And <laughs> we were chatting with the crew and I was like, so, you know, do you get a layover in Mexico City? Yeah, yeah, we get a layover. Have you been before? Yeah. So what do you like doing in Mexico City? Oh, we're not allowed to leave the hotel. I go, what? In Mexico? Yeah, yeah, nowhere in Mexico we're allowed to leave the hotel. <laughs> and then you just get this weird feeling like, I'm about to go on vacation <laughs> to this city where apparently the flight attendants are not allowed to leave. Of course, it's, you know, company insurance and all that type of stuff that makes it complicated. I don't know if that's the case anymore either. But yeah. it was just like this weird intro to the trip of the flight attendant saying, no, we actually can't even go out. I can imagine. That's so weird. You know, it's, it's, so it's not safe for them, but it's safe for you. How does that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And like all these Americans on the flight, like, enjoy your vacations, guys, as we're locked in the hotel. But um, I love Mexico City. It's, it's dangerous, but oh, the food, it, it's worth it. It's worth the risk for the food, to be honest. Wow. Well, okay. Well, that's your opinion. When, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 quickly look at what was happening in the Maldives. Just to go back besides to besides me being we, there in the rain. Besides you being there in the rain, the national airline Maldivian. So you've flown Maldivian, I'm assuming. I have flown every. Well, I haven't flown beyond either, but I've flown ev every other Maldivian airline besides actual Maldivian. So you mean the other two? No, there's there's three. Oh wait, no, there's <laughs> <laughs> there's Fly Me, which I just flew this time with the ETRs. Okay. There's yep. uh, Trans Maldivian, which is the biggest seaplane carrier, and then there's one more which I'm blanking on. I think there's one more which I flew the very first time that also operates just seaplanes. I think. Okay. So in this development, Maldivian, which is the government-owned regional carrier, again of course based in the Maldives, this is an airline with around 20 aircraft, right? And most are turboprops, but it does have one A320. But not to be confused with Transmaldivian, the, the largest seaplane operator, which is the, the airline you just mentioned. That's the classic, I've gone to the Maldives, here's my Instagram story of me in a seaplane. And that's, the pilot that's Transmaldivian. flip flops. <laughs> yeah. And the pilot in flip flops, or in most cases, barefoot, yeah. <laughs> take off and landing. Uh, the uh, Maldivian operate, in addition to island to island, they operate short-haul flights, some short-haul flights to Bangladesh and also uh, to India. But they have these big expansion plans where they have posted publicly basically a tender to invite all different parties to submit a proposal to offer the airline one 787 Dreamliner. And they want it for six years, so they want a lease. And they've set the deadline for this tender on the 25th of January. And they've said, for all interested parties, please make your proposal now. Well, off the record, I think I might know. I, I think I have some ideas about how this idea even came about for Moldavian. But I really cannot say it here because it's too, too bad. But this is just one of those situations, again, where you look at a country that has so many problems. We just see this so many times. And the, the government is like, I have a great idea. How about we buy a wide body aircraft, which no one needs. There's plenty of foreign aircraft serving our country. And it just shows that the people in charge of these decisions have no idea what they're doing. Because the cost of having just one Dreamliner for pilots, crew, maintenance, everything will be it will be impossible to turn a profit. So it's it's doomed to fail, but good luck. 
That is interesting. And you know what's good? I mean, I, I can tell you from being in the room that there are many airlines that have these weird ambitions. For example, you're a tiny airline, you've got, you know, you operate regional aircraft and I want five A350s or I want 10 313 and so on. Do you know in those scenarios, I've been in the room where Airbus sales guys have said, guys, even <laughs> though you want and you're willing to buy X amount of, for example, A350s for us, Given that you have never had a wide-body aircraft in the existence of your airline, Airline X, let's call it, they have told that airline while I've been in the room, don't do it. That's not for you. You should start with this and we'll assist you in a journey to expansion so that one day when it makes financial sense, you can operate something like that that you want right now. But for now, why don't we explore something that is a little more better suited for you and your needs and your root network and so on. Which, when that when, I, when when that happened, and it was one of the top Airbus sales guy leading the sales campaign that was saying this, I was in the room and I was thinking, that's really interesting because maybe it's a common misconception that anyone can approach Airbus and Boeing and say, I want this as an airline. And, and they're just gonna, yep, oh sure, give us your money and we'll, we'll just deliver it to you. Actually, it's m much more a partnership in their approach. So they literally told the operator, the airline, they literally told them, no, you shouldn't, which I <laughs> really can't. admired because it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. You yeah. know, we knew it. They knew it. He knew it. But who was going to say it? You, you know? can't and have so your candy. That was fine. Yeah. It feels like yeah. they, in that case, maybe they hope that the airline will opt for more narrow bodies or something. But there's just some regions, some people where it just doesn't work. I mean, Uganda Airlines comes to mind for me as an example of an airline that has CRJs. And then A330, 800 Neos, which one other airline operates, right? <laughs> it's just so, yeah, yeah. it's the height of random. I would never advise anyone to take an A330, 800 based on the fact that there are so few of them. It is an, yeah. a great aircraft, but I, I am, to until today, I'm surprised that they even continue to bother to, to have this as an offering from the Airbus family of aircraft that they have for sale. But it is because it is so, the commonality between the 800 and the 900 is so, 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 so close that actually it doesn't cost Airbus too much to diff to make both models. So, so that's why. Yeah, it is interesting because there isn't anything to fill that space between an A321 and an A330 Neo 900 if that 800 doesn't exist. But it's such a big jump that, to me, that's a big, obvious hole in the market where, for example, the 787-8 is maybe much more popular. Um, so, so yeah. Do we need, do we need an A325? Ooh, I, I, well, no, we don't want it. Much rather have an A330-800 than, than an A325. <laughs> an A325 would be like if an A330-800 and a 787-8 had a baby. Yeah. But the baby was somehow larger than the well, 321. It would basically Maybe be like a more seven, stocky. It would basically be a 757-300. No, I'm thinking chunkier, not not like a pencil. What, it, it would have a wider fuselage. Because then it's a different head right now on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are inventing the next <laughs> Airbus plane. You heard I mean, it here. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You are. You're saying, but wait, is it? I'm like, well, Dan, you know, I did start creating this aircraft in my head about 12 seconds ago. <laughs> so, with that, I'm delighted to say that we are firmly moving on to questions, where we are going to go through loads of questions. We've allocated a lot of time for Q and A. These are the questions that you want answered, and Dan and I are here to deliver on that. So without further ado, let's get going. All right, this ties in nicely to the topic we were just discussing. Alessio asks, what are our thoughts on new business class only operator Beyond and their A319 that's based in the Maldives? So Beyond is a new all business class airline. They took a 319 from, am I correct in saying the aircraft previously flew a lifetime ago at EasyJet? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Could be. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's correct. But I'm willing to be corrected if that's if that's not right. So it's all business class. It's been on display at Dubai Air Show. So it's quite heavily over social media. They operate only a handful of routes 
What's your first thought? Also, me and you have a bit of a link to all business class, don't we? From the early days. Yeah, we bonded over the iconic La Compagnie, but that's another story. Um, yeah. My thoughts on this are: it's never gonna work. Don't need to say much more. It's forty-four business class seats operating via Saudi Arabia or Dubai to Europe. So they're not even picking up passengers in Dubai because there's too much competition. Flying to Switzerland, Germany, there's just no way. On an A321CO, CEO, or instead of NEO, yeah, no. And the economics of all business class have always proven to have been, unfortunately, a disaster. Now, this beyond uh, carrier have secured decent investment, and they have a variety of investment, including that from the Middle East. To look at the model of does all business class work and to answer you in a nutshell, history has proven time and time again that it that it just economically does not work. The margins in aviation are incredibly thin and it is a nightmare to break even on an aircraft with such a light capacity arrangement of all business class. We've seen countless examples of it all the way back do you remember Max Jet? Do you remember that? I mean, no. you were you were in diapers with when Max. Oh Jet yeah, was, uh, and was, you were what at Cambridge? I was probably in diapers as well, but I knew what Max Jet was, so that was <laughs> okay. the difference between you and I. So Max Jet, they operated from London Stansted, all business class to New York, collapsed. Do you remember Silver Jet? I don't remember. I've heard of it, but I don't remember remember it. But I'll mention okay, the next one. Silver Jet had these big. <laughs> Big chunk. Oh, open. Exactly. Look at open skies. Open skies. That was Paris Orly to New York. Failed. Uh, silver jet were 767s. Quite a good looking aircraft, all in silver with a very lightly written, you could just make out as a silver jet. They flew from the glamorous business hub that is Luton. And they <laughs> flew from Luton to New York. Collapsed. It, it, the, not only does it are the economics incredibly difficult, but you have to understand who typically is the, especially back then, the business class traveler. And the business class traveler is one in which is able to leverage points and loyalty that doesn't exist or extend to these small standalone carriers, which is again why they struggle. It doesn't extend with the fact that they are unable to offer frequencies. You know, if I am if I am uh, on the rat race, you know, international travel going between the big hubs of, for example, London and New York, I need an offering of a New York service at 1 p.m. and then again at 1.45 and then perhaps again at 3 p.m. and at 4 p.m. and so on and so on and so on. I can't commit to one flight a day because I'm flying an all business class carrier that is only making the journey once and, you know, and uh, with no change options and so on, no alliances, no partnerships and so on and so on. It's why all business class as a concept has constantly proven to have been disastrous, unfortunately. Yeah. And that was great what you said. You also need to add the fact that many people are connecting. So the reason British Airways is able to fill 60 to 80 business class seats on a transatlantic flight is that people are coming from all over Europe. These niche airlines don't have those connections. So it's another reason they can't sustain it. And I mean, look, who would choose to fly an A319 in a 2-2 layout with a stop in Saudi Arabia in the middle of the night as opposed to Q-suite on an A350, for example? No one. Besides, Q-Suite is probably cheaper than the Beyond option. So long and short answer, unfortunately, not looking very bright. And you made a perfect point about the connecting passengers, because do you know that up until up until recent years, if British Airways only looking at its short haul operation, it would have it would have been bankrupt. It doesn't make money. It's completely loss making. BA's for not anymore, but until recently, BA's short haul operations were utterly loss-making. Why were they able to sustain healthy financials? Because of the connections, because passengers are using it to go from JFK to Heathrow to Paris and from Dallas to Heathrow to Milan and so on and so on. So that's the, uh, yeah, that's that's the economics of, of airlines that are incredibly aggressive. And one of the fastest ways it's known to start an airline and make a million in aviation is to start with a billion and lose it all. 
There we go. So I love how you said that phrase on. in reverse to how it's usually said. The, it's usually said, how do you make a billion? Said. How do you make a billionaire a millionaire? Start an airline. But you like twist no, it around. <laughs> okay, okay. That's it. That's a more concise way. We've been talking for almost an hour. Okay, cut me some slack. That's that's a more concise way of saying it. Okay, next question is coming again via Instagram from Claire. She says, are there any routes that you think a train provides a better experience than flying? For example, London to Paris on the Eurostar or something like the Orient Express. What are your thoughts? Definitely the Amtrak. No, absolutely not. But I haven't taken that many trains on routes where I could have flown. But I will say from Gothenburg to Stockholm, very niche, I prefer the train to flying. Even though the train takes three hours, flight takes 45 minutes. In the end, getting to the airport, checking in, getting from the airport in Stockholm to the city, which is very far, it ends up being about the same time and a train is just more comfortable. So yeah, I would say there are definitely instances where trains are better, just not in the US. I think there are tons of examples. And I think you, Claire, correctly outlined, for example, the route between London, central London and central Paris makes perfect sense to go by train rather than go through the whole thing of it being an international flight and not least since Brexit and, you know, the difference now between the immigration queue for British passport holders and you're literally arriving as a third country arrival and so on and so on. It's just a bit simpler if you're doing that by train rather than rather than by air. And I think it's valid on so many domestic examples globally, whether it's between, for example, Madrid and Malaga, whether it is between Manchester and London and so on and so on. So there are and I would take that into account. I wouldn't just because, I don't know, I'm the aviation guy, I have to fly. I, I wouldn't let common sense get in the way of that. If it makes more sense to take a train on a certain route, then that's what I would absolutely be willing to do and do. Apparently you have nothing to add to that. Nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, we're moving on. Yeah. The next question is from Chef, who says, what happens with animals in the cargo hold? Is there an attendant with them or are they put in with the luggage? with a scared emoji. Well, first of all, there's not an attendant on uh, passenger planes, but you're not flying animals like horses or well, what other huge, maybe gorillas, things that are sometimes transported. Pandas, you, pandas come yeah, to and from China. Yeah. Um, all those bigger animals are flown on cargo planes. And in those cases, many times there are attendants. For example, horses will usually have someone traveling with them that takes care of them. Dogs and cats and pets are left unattended in cages in a separate compartment that is temperature controlled, of course, oxygenated. And yeah, they have to withstand some very long, tough conditions sometimes. Yeah, I couldn't put my dog through that, to mm. be honest. And that's why we that, we didn't do that. When when, when we still had our, uh, our dog, had a Doberman, he was, uh, we got him to 12 years old, bless him, which is really a very decent age for a Doberman because yeah. his brothers and sisters from the same litter had passed by about seven years old. Because wow. for Dobermans, it's not so common to live beyond even nine or 10. But the, we, we couldn't put him through the stress of that because we knew he wouldn't. And also, do you know that it heavily relies on the flight crew reading the correct notes to ensure that they know that they are carrying live animals to ensure that it is kept warm down in the cargo hold and that's the flick of a switch that god forbid if they forget that's the end Oof. it's uh quite a bit of pressure to ensure that they are remembering to and i remember reading a book of a cabin crew she wrote a book she's quite famous and she was saying how she would never she 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 could remember so many examples of where pets were coming out entirely this sounds so awful to say frozen because the flight crew had not had the uh the the warming system on in the in the cargo hold so i mean that's rare, obviously. I'm talking about something that's isolated. But yeah, there's no one to no one to look after them. Even on these ultra long hauls, you just have to put them in with the correct cage size, with the with with some drink, some water, and uh, and uh, maybe a little bit of food. But who knows? Maybe the dog eats the food in the first three minutes, and then what's it going to do for seventeen hours? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, that's uh, poor things. Anyway, let's move on. This next question 
is an interesting one and is from Alessandro. I'm going to read it out in full. It came via Instagram. He says, hello, Alex, a question for the podcast. You and Dan and all YouTubers, journalists, ETC, talk shit about Euro business class. Recently, Aita, the Italian flag carrier, Ita, Ita Airways, introduced real business class and premium economy on flights from Rome to London and Paris and soon to other destinations with the A321. Have you seen it? Are you keen to try it? Is this good news and could make it, could make other European full service carriers do the same? Alessandro. Alessandro, (laughs) Alessandro. Alessandro, we don't talk, we have not spoken shit about Euro business class. We have Have spoken real... No, no, we've spoken realistically about Euro business class. <laughs> yeah. We've spoken in a way to set expectations where if people are spending their hard-earned cash on business class in Europe, they deserve to know that it's just an empty middle seat and not something that is like a nice plush business class cabin that you get on others. So we're just protecting other people's investments, ensuring they know exactly what they're going for. That's the first part of the question. Yeah. The second part is... We, of course, have seen what Eater Airways has on the A321 NEO, their new aircraft. And we were super pleased to see that they've introduced a real business class cabin with life flat and a premium economy. And it seems mad that they've done this because no other European airlines do this on European uh, routes. So it's something that is quite extraordinary in that sense. But I also am not sure that it makes much commercial sense. Well, personally speaking, well, there's a big but there because this is they're only flying it to London for crew training and they might, I think, keep some European frequencies between when an aircraft would have just been on the ground between long haul legs to the Middle East or North Africa. But unfortunately, this aircraft is not intended for European flights. The seat is not intended for European flights. It's just a nice bonus. It's the same reason you get British Airways wide bodies on some European routes. It's the same reason you get Lufthansa and Swiss wide bodies on certain routes, especially in the summer uh, to fill. For example, there might be enough demand during certain seasons where they can fill a wide body when it would have just been sitting on the ground. There might be cargo reasons. For example, British Airways did that a lot during the pandemic flying, uh, you know, 777s and 787s to Europe because there was so much cargo demand with passengers on board as well. So this is just a situation where it was not introduced for the European market. I don't think it will make, it will change anything in the European market. And Europe is just, it's a sad reality that we get decent mm-hmm. food on board, but everything else is is no bueno. And we get lounge access, well, I'm so- which you don't get in the U.S. I'm- I'm so glad that you clarified that because I suspected, but I hadn't looked into it, but I suspected that this aircraft was not for London from Rome and Paris from Rome and that actually this aircraft is going to be deployed on mid and long haul routes, which is why they had selected the A321 that has increased range, that is that part of the new 321neo family and so on and so on. So the fact is, is that actually, Alessandro, the aircraft, as Dan correctly outlined, is not supposed to be on those routes in the first place and is there for operational efficiency, which is great for us and great for you. And also it's a, it's a decent product and I'm looking forward to flying it. And I'm I'm sure you are too, Dan. Yeah. I would say it's definitely the best seat since it's a reverse herringbone to ever be, or at least so far to be on an A321. However, first I cannot wrap my head around why they made the seat look like it was 50 years old already like the tv it looks like it's something from it makes me it gives me soviet union vibes the cabin wall we already joked about it when we saw the photo the first thing we noticed was what is that ghastly cabin wall color they chose the cabin wall is just awful the pattern that they've gone for and i know there are hundreds and hundreds of options for the design of the cabin wall there are there is white there is off-white there is beige there is there are there are gray spots there is brush stroke there are different textures everything what they have chosen I, I was shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> the next question is from Abud. He says, why have Qatar Airways still got Airbus A320s with no entertainment on board? Sad face. <laughs> I think the quick answer to that is that not all short air, short haul aircraft are equipped with the in-flight entertainment systems that you would expect on long and mid-haul routes, especially in an age of a bring-your-own device, a BYOD digital age, 
where at least one person per seat row have an iPad or similar in order to keep themselves entertained for a couple of hours. So it's not a standard requirement, nor also something that airlines heavily invested in years ago when these aircraft were delivered. Hey, going forward. Huh? Habibi, we're forgetting that Qatar Airways took delivery of eight 737 Maxes last year without entertainment. So it's it's not just the A320s. Um, correct. The, the 737 Maxes are the least 737 Max that were rushed in in the middle of the Airbus dispute. And they are operating routes that you categorically do not need a full in-flight entertainment system on, you know, Doha to Sharjah, 40 minutes. Doha to Kuwait, an Doha hour Doha to Baku, you know, Yerevan, and Tbilisi is three hours. So Okay, well, that's too long for that. Yeah. yeah, so bring your own device if you're on that. Yeah, I agree. But it's important to note that that's not fundamentally a firm part of... I mean, it's an active part of the fleet, so maybe that sounds... A little bit confusing, but it's not something that they, I mean, it's not the Qatar Airways product, for example, on the aircraft. These aircraft were rushed in, in the middle of the Airbus dispute, and the entire product actually belongs to, because it was already fitted into the cabin, uh, to the Russian airline, S7, that never took that aircraft because of the sanctions. So it's, yeah, it's a little unfortunate if you end up on one without your own device on a on a rare route that is longer than 40 minutes as as you just said to uh <laughs> you know armenia azerbaijan yeah armenia. you know our friend april Lynn, whose wedding we yeah. are going to this weekend in singapore she we went to armenia and azerbaijan with her la uh, summer 2022 so she flew qatar airways and she landed she was like what the hell man you told me qatar airways is one of the best in the world and then i don't have a tv on this three-hour flight because it was an a320 without the TVs back then. And I was like, I'm sorry. But I think it's worth pointing out that we've said this many times that probably one of the biggest issues for Qatar Airways, if not the biggest, is just the inconsistency in terms of onboard product. If you get a good one, it's It's great. It's fleet, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just too inconsistent. Meanwhile, you have Air Canada, which we've sometimes joked about, that has TVs even on their bombardier crj aircraft they are the airline of in-flight entertainment uh delta of course also united expanding a lot so north america is really good when it comes to that if if you avoid american you're right north america is better at that and i'm looking forward to for example now that the airbus dispute ended with qatar with qatar sorting out the the level of consistency across and i'm i'm hearing i'm hearing good things so good. hopefully uh, hopefully that means some uh, a, a little more consistency fleet wise coming up let's go to the next question okay alex this question this question is from marco he asks what is happening with the sale of tap portugal sure so tap air portugal is waiting for privatization and it's ultimately selling a majority stake a 51% stake. This was a sale that was launched back in September 2023. And the aim was to get all of the terms of any deal finished by the year end, and then to get some official bids in and done around now, beginning of the new year. But because the Prime Minister of Portugal resigned in November, this was following a corruption probe and, and so on and so on, that sale has now been suspended. And so that sudden resignation has now led to a delay, a postponement in the privatization process of TAP Air Portugal. And so no significant developments just yet. It seems that the postponement is going to last around nine to 12 months, so it could even be a year. But there are many airlines that have expressed interest in picking up TAP Air Portugal, including Air France KLM and the Lufthansa Group, which does mean that there is almost certainly going to be further consolidation in Europe ahead. We have spoken in a previous episode about if consolidation is a good thing for passengers, for consumers. On the whole, it's not often a good thing because it reduces competition. And so I would encourage you to dive into that episode. It's somewhere in the feed here, wherever you get your podcasts, <laughs> because we really did give a, a, a thorough analysis on uh, on the pros and cons of further consolidating the aviation market. Okay, finally, Sam asks Alex, avocado toast or smoothie bowls? Easy, avocado toast. Huh? Any yeah. avocado toast over any smoothie bowl? Definitely. 
There we go. I'm not big on smoothie. I'm not big on smoothie bowls, to be honest. <gasps> and even if, for example, it's like a like a green juice or a you know a, a real healthy, disgusting but healthy. <laughs> Slash sometimes delicious, but rarely delicious juice with like everything from lettuce and apples and and spirulina powder, whatever. I have to down it because I can't. I'm I'm not someone that can just like like I'm I'm chug 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 done finished. So that it's <laughs> I done it. I consumed it, and I I didn't have to put up with the taste of it for too long. Well, what about you? Avocado toast or a lifetime of smoothie bowls? Smoothie bowls. I have smoothie bowls every day for breakfast when I can. So. <laughs> Yes, definitely smoothie bowls. I even love the taste of. I mean, you're comparing it to juice, which they have nothing to do with each other. Thank you very much. But I love like the flavor of ginger shots, for example. I can drink them for enjoyment, even though they're spicy. It doesn't have to be just down it. So I, I can't even have it. I cannot have a milkshake. I just have never been able、mm. to. The thought that someone has a milkshake with a burger is enough to make me、yeah. feel sick. Yeah, I'm not huge on milkshakes. It's just too much. It's ice cream, milk. Yeah, just a bit intense. But on that, you note, scream, LA. That's what you scream. You scream, <laughs> California kid, born in, born in London. Please. Born, I am born in London. Okay, but maybe the we've、California、never seen any evidence of that. And I asked the the hospital; they had no record of that birth. You are just one of these shady YouTubers that nobody has any idea where you're from. Citizen of the world, which is why you travel everywhere <laughs> to distract the fact that you don't even know yourself. So, <laughs> well, this summer, so. Oscar and I are going on a pilgrimage through the U.S. to find the place where we belong. Maybe find the place that suits us best. I have a feeling maybe it won't be California. Maybe it will be Nebraska. Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven. Okay. Sorry for randomly roasting Nebraska. That was unintentional. Nebraska. I, see, I hear all these states, and I just think of like the stuff I read with U.S. elections and the fact that last night there was the Iowa caucus. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Did you did. see? Did you see? It was so beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> he won. He didn't even try. He won the, the with a comfortable majority. The others are basically out the race. I know. Donald Trump <laughs> is coming back, and we better start <laughs>、oh, preparing、man. for it. <laughs> At least coming back to fight for the election, but. I I watched his thank you speech. That's assuming、Iowa. that you think that you think that <laughs> Biden, bless his heart, is going to be able to take him on when the fact that young people are not voting because they're unimpressed with Biden. Okay, and so by young people not voting, they would typically lean left. I mean, they, in fact, let's save this for on air politics. On air podcast. Or how about on air election edition? <laughs> But on air have... <laughs> special election edition. Once、yeah. Taylor Swift tells all her fans to vote. There won't be any problems anymore. That's what they're relying on. That is、Literally、what they are relying on.、Yeah. Do you know that President Biden is banned from using the stairs to Air Force One? Do you know he has to exit via the lower stairs、oh、through the cargo、God. hold hatch? I didn't、you、know, that. know that. No. In, in official policy, he now uses the stairs out of the cargo hold because they're lower because his team are trying to protect the fact that he might ha- have one of those stumbles that go viral. So they see, okay, mitigation, mitigation. It's like Veep. I've never seen it, but you said it's like、yeah. Veep. How do we get the Biden to not fall too much? <gasps> Fewer steps. We don't. Yeah, yeah we don't、yes. have great choices. But I just have、no. to say, I found it interesting in Trump's thank you speech. He said very. With a lot of humility, I will say for him, he said, "My my beautiful wife,、uh, former first lady, possibly future first lady. You never know." I was like, "Oh, okay." So he's actually saying possibly, and you never know, or something like that, instead of saying our guarantee. You never know. <laughs> as long as did he as call her Melanie? A, as a, no, he <laughs> as long. As I loved it a, when he <laughs> praying mantis flying around. <laughs> I loved it when he called Melania Melanie. I enjoyed that.、Uh, Melanie has been like, Melanie. Who's Melanie? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I didn't hear that part. Well, on behalf of Melanie and her husband, <laughs> we thank you for listening to this episode of On Air. I'm Alex. I am Dan. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. See you later. 